platform. Welcome once again to the Irish NFL podcast, brought to you as always in association with Titan Roofing. I'm Mark Cockrelly, a surprisingly pleased Patriots fan in this week 10 of the NFL season, and I'm joined by another surprisingly pleased fan in Brian O'Leary. Brian, good evening. Good evening, Mark. And not only are we pleased, because both our teams won, which we definitely haven't been able to say all this season, but um, Gordon Bridgefield, uh, who also joins us, continues to be the cream of the crop with his 9-0 and Steelers. Gordon, good evening. This, this, this train is not stopping, Mark. This train is not stopping. So, well, Gordon, you do 16-0 on the, the cards then. Is that what you're saying? Look, as in we're making franchise history as, as we speak, week in, week out, franchise history. Anything is possible during 2020, as we've seen, Mark. The worst can happen, but also the best. So I'm I'm optimistic for the Steelers. A, a lovely note of optimism there is your nine and zero Steelers. Next week we're going to the one and eight Jags. So um, I'm, I can imagine the optimism might abound for at least one more week. Well, gentlemen, look, week 10 of the NFL season. We're deep into the second half of the season now. With the uh, you know. The, the boys become men and the sheep get scared sometimes. But uh, it was a bit of a harem scare weekend in many respects. Um, we'll start with one key game, but a kind of a general trend I wanted to comment on. Like very few games this week with teams that both have winning records. We had Thursday night game, Colts versus the Titans. Colts taking control of the second half and in turn taking control of the AFC South. Um, now going into the lead with the tiebreaker over the Titans. We had... The Seahawks and Rams, which the Rams kind of comfortably won, like 27-17, never really got to be that exciting late-night game we expected. And, you know, um, the Rams defense holding Russell Wilson in check. No touchdowns, two interceptions for the first real time this season. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, no, no real excitement, no real excitement. But then the final game of the weekend between two teams winning records, the Buffalo Bills and the Arizona Cardinals, and all I can say, ladies and gents, is that I feel like praying. Um, Hail Mary, full of Kyler, D-Hop be with you. Blessed are most amongst football plays and blesses the fruit of thy pigskin. I mean, I don't want to oversimplify what was, in fact, a great game, toing and throwing, defences standing up and getting turnovers, the Bills getting a 14-point lead, the Cards fighting back like a real tussle. I don't want to condense it all into one play. But then you see that play and you kind of do want to condense it all into that play in so many ways. I mean, look, Brian, I mean, Josh Allen, I said a couple of weeks ago, still want to see him stand up. And of course, he had a great game against the, the non-existent Seahawks defense. But game is on the line. Bills had scored one touchdown early in the third quarter and done nothing else. And he drove them down, you know, two-minute drill, got them over the line. And you must have thought, I've done my job here. I've proved I'm... You know, I won't say elite, but I've proved I can put it through my team when it matters in the fourth quarter there. It's lost in the sense that because of the Hail Murray, shall we say, at the end, that people forget that Alan actually did have that great drive and the touchdown to Diggs leaves 23 seconds on the clock. I mean, and by and large, everybody thinks the Bills have pulled off a really great win. And that, to me, was still more impressive, that drive, than the end, because the play which was actually called... For Murray, obviously, it broke down and look, he's, he's throwing up in a situation where you've got three Bills players all jumping for the ball and that one of them was able to get their hands in and he's bat the ball down. So I think Josh Allen 
is starting to prove he really is a, really, a good quarterback that every thinks he is. And I keep referring to him as Big Ben because he just plays like Big Ben. He just, he just seems to go for broke at times and he runs and he doesn't give up at times and he should give up. But um, yeah, to play at the end, it's incredible throw by incredible throw by Murray and Hopkins. He's a great receiver and he's proven that the deal in which they've taken him on is starting to look like a, a really good deal now. Well, Bill, Bill O'Brien is definitely sitting there some back office or basement of wherever he is at the moment, kind of crying into his hands as he sees uh, Hopkins doing what he's doing. I think the interesting point is that that touchdown from Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs was a beautiful throw. It was in like there was literally only one place it could go. And if he missed it, it was an interception like it was. We've seen what Josh Allen is and how how good he's going to become. I think the interesting piece for me and look, the Kyler Murray one, like DeAndre Hopkins is only six two guys. Like DeAndre Hopkins is not the biggest uh, wide receiver in the game, but everyone has always said it about him. He has one of the best hands in the game, and when you stick up 50-50 balls like that, he is like. And there's a clip of him afterwards as he's walking to the sideline. He's not even celebrating that hard. He's pretty much looking at his teammates saying, "I was always catching that." There's n- never in doubt, and it's that kind of confidence that he has that that he is one of the top three wide receivers in the NFL. But I think the interesting one for me is the Buffalo Bills, like been high, on, high on, uh, on them all year but the interesting thing is like they're a win now team and I think we've kind of said that before in terms of what they've done and these are the games they needed to be winning because you've got the Miami Dolphins who are kind of a building team in the same division and like the Bills only have maybe one or two more years to try and really progress on and these are the games that you know at this stage of the season you want to be winning so I think the Bills will be fairly disappointed to be going to have lost that game in the end In fairness to the Bills what I would say is after the game like there was a lot of, they didn't share their responsibilities. They all came out, did the interviews, and haven't lost a game in that fashion. You, you wouldn't be surprised if they didn't show, but they all did. But uh, look, they all said the same. They should have got their hands in there and plowed the ball down. And just one more note on Hopkins. I don't know if you got an opportunity to read his mother, who sits behind the end zone at the when he was playing for the Texans, has been blind for 17 years, and she still goes to every game. Obviously, she can't see any of the action just so just to be there. And when the ball is handed to her, she knows it's actually her son who's caught the touchdown. But unfortunately, with the current circumstances, she's not at any of the Cardinals games. But he actually made a point of calling it out after the game that that particular touchdown was for his mother. And uh, the, match, the game ball was going to her when he does see her at some stage. She yeah. won't see him, though. <laughs> That was so lovely, Brian. Right <laughs> up until literally the last two seconds. I had just, but I have to go with it. Oh, crikey, Brian. I, mean, I, I will say, you know, the one thing that's been overlooked on that play, you say he's in the middle of three Bills defenders for that, and they were all over him. It wasn't like they were they were vaguely near him or anything. I mean, they were on top of him. You know, two of them, um, Tredavious White's one of them. The two of them were pro bowlers, and the other's a veteran. Like, I mean, we're not talking about rookies being exposed here, not being ready for the the, the random play. Um, it was a you know one in a million type of play. Absolutely unbelievable to see. It's a bit like the you know the miracle in Minnesota the other year in terms of just that 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 extreme kind of emotional swing of oh my god it's been pulled out and it's probably one of the first finishes this year where I you really or I really noticed and felt my god I wish that stadium was packed. I wish there was like yeah. a whole crew of Cardinals fans are just going nuts because you know they've had a few bad years and they deserved almost to, to celebrate that in a normal way. So, um, but look, unbelievable, unbelievable game, unbelievable play, you know, play of the year, 
already maybe like you know it's it's that extreme and it was that important because now the cardinals stand atop of the nfc um uh east sorry uh, the nfc west um you know, we'll come to the nfc east in due course they stand on top of the nfc west uh tied with uh, the rams and the um seahawks in clearly the most competitive division in the nfl um they're, they're ahead on on tiebreakers um, I mean, look, are we actually touching on the NFC East very briefly and a couple of like good news stories or happy-go-lucky stories? Like, you know, Brian, your Giants kind of, you know, they've been this plucky underdog for much of the season, almost messing up great opportunities, not quite getting there. They got there this week, beat the Eagles 27-17, now only half a game out of the lead of that division. Um my plucky Patriots, um, su- surprising me even, um, they handled the Raven, handed the Ravens a defeat, um, managing them quite well ultimately in the end. But obviously, the Ravens had to contend in the last few minutes with, I know, the deluge from Poseidon, um, <laughs> raging up from the depths. Uh, but uh, the Patriots won, one you didn't expect them to win, kind of you know gives a bit more clear air to the Steelers uh, in their division. Um, and then in other plucky good luck news stories or good luck, uh, you know, positive stories, shall we say, Alex Smith playing a great game of quarterback, actually, for the Washington football team. Just got pipped out by the Lions in the depth, but great to see him back playing meaningful football and playing great stuff. You know, he's at the end of his career. He's more the veteran. The newbie that was the great news story for me, and again, I'm going to touch on the fact of the absence of fans, Jake Luton and the Jacksonville Jaguars going toe-to-toe with the Green Bay Packers. My point about the fans is he wouldn't have done this if it had been full of rabid Packer fans at Lambeau Field, but he nearly got them there, and certainly I don't think anybody saw that result coming. Packers just squeaking out 24-20. It was one of those games, uh, and to be honest, I think this is where I find when it comes to Week 10, and it's definitely the lack of fans it feels a little bit of fatigue is kind of set in for some of these games because you're playing a one and seven team when you're the Green Bay Packers and you're six and two. Like, you know, you're going into this game assuming it's a, a dead cert and it's a kind of a walkaway win. And I just find at this point of the season, we're going to have a few of the games like this where, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers, you, you have to question. Everyone is obviously saying, does he have the talent of wide receiver? And it was interesting. Valdez Scantling was his go-to wide receiver this weekend. Again, he kind of, decides on the day who he's going to go with but I do find that makes him a little bit predictable and like he gave away a very easy interception at one point which let the Jags really kind of get into this game and like look there's no point in making any kind of bones about it Jake Luton is not going to be a future quarterback in the NFL it's as simple as that like he's not here for the long term and you could see like you know not having fans there benefited a player like him but the Jags defense really went after Aaron Rodgers and really put him under pressure. And I find at times Aaron Rodgers, it's that attitude. And we said it to Stephen Murphy from the um, UK and Irish Packers site when he was on with us. Is like he has this attitude at times where does he actually care or the persona he gives off? Because I don't know, it wasn't one of his better games. The Packers were disappointing. And to win 24-20 against a Jags team who were tanking for Lawrence, it just it was just it, it was just a weird game, to be honest. Yeah, and they even had the ball at the end and an opportunity to go win the game. They just they couldn't pull it out at the end. I put a lot of it down to, yeah, to your point, there's no crowd there. Yeah, I think it's complacency on the backers. Mm-hmm. Front, you know, the line was 14 points. You know, it's a case of how many you're going to win by. That's probably the kind of general conversation going around the media all week. 
does it does it get to the players? I imagine it does. And uh, they had a special teams to, um, return for a touchdown. They just kept plugging away and kept themselves in the game. And even when it looked like during the third quarter, the Packers might pull away after getting the uh, Devontae Adams touchdown. The Jags came back again at them. So mm. I'm not sure if they are tanking because they are keeping in games, but the likelihood is they're still going to lose each game. Yeah, it, it, it's like as in again, and I made this point about Green Bay just there after the the performance we had against the Cowboys, obviously last week, etc. But I think it was different. I think you're playing a Cowboys team who do have real talent on it. The Jags are a talent roster that they're getting rid of players. There's there's not a huge amount of Ray talent there. So for if you're Green Bay, if you're a Green Bay fan, like unlike myself last week where I was still high on Steelers, like you have to be worried a little bit about the Packers' performance like that because. To struggle through against the Jags is is not what you need at this point of the season. It, it it's good good to hear to go to your your high on your unbeaten team in the NFL. <laughs> you know, it's, it's stay, you know, go out on a limb there, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, you've had you've had a lot of years of it. All right, I'm going to take yeah, this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, but can I, I want to make one comment as well, and it was it was to do with the um the NFC East. Uh, if, if people remember correctly, back in our preseason pod, go on, Goro. Really, Pretty confident I had the um, New York Giants to potentially top uh, this division. And then also I had the Cowboys to finish third. With the resurgence of Alex Smith, the Cowboys are potentially going to finish last. Um, And I'm going to call it here. I'm going to call it that the Washington um, football team are going to finish ahead of the Cowboys come the end of the season with Alex Smith back in tow. And like early early projections... Irish NFL podcast. You should have been there because I've called. I called this division at the very start. Well, I, I was, I was, I was running with you there, Gordon, the Giants team. But in week ten, to be making a wild pick of the Washington team to, fit, to finish ahead of the Cowboys is probably a given at this stage. <laughs> but uh, I do like your start on the division because it, yeah. it is going to go that way. Yeah. Yeah, Gordo. I mean, all credit to you. You did call out the start of the season when we did slag you a little bit about it. Well, I did. That yep. you called out the Giants to win the division. Um, and I can only say that, yeah, I mean, there's only so many people that can be proud of a team that has a three and seven record, but certainly they're they're matching up to your expectations <laughs> and you know, and and uh Brian Leary's expectations. I mean, uh, I seriously the, the three and seven record is not a fair reflection on how well they played this season. No, and, and, and you I know make that. that point in fairness. Like they have been yeah. so competitive, one score games, plenty of games. They should have won the first game against the Eagles. Like they should have taken that. There were plenty of games they've thrown away. But like the thing that makes me laugh now is they could go 500 for the rest of the season, finish six and ten, and that could still win that division. Can, can I ask yes. you a question? Can I ask you a question? So then, on on, on the Eagles, because I think it's an interesting point at the moment. Like they're only what three years off from winning a Super Bowl. They lost their offensive coordinator, who's now doing good things with the Indianapolis Colts. They can't seem to get a quarterback to perform well, and they seem to be a bit of a sinking ship at the moment in terms of the Eagles, creativity-wise, everything. I've listened to a couple of podcasts in America at the moment, and they're kind of saying, do you completely revamp the Eagles come this offseason? I'll give my view. I think that's a bit harsh. I think the Eagles' defense has had issues for the last couple of years. Generally, it was that they didn't have any cornerbacks. This year, their play from their linebacker core is, is very poor. Um, still got a good front, in my view. And I've made excuses for the Eagles mostly because of the amount of injuries they suffered, and potentially, particularly on the offensive side. Like, their, their O-line has just been an absolute disaster. 
and you know I think at one stage they were missing three of their top four options at both guard and tackle, both guard positions and both tackle positions. Like, it, you know, it was pretty extreme. And of course their wide receivers were missing. But this week I, I said, I think in the build-up um, before, it was like, hey, they're getting Lane Johnson back. You know, they've got Peelers back. You know, they, they've started to round into shape and round into health a bit more. Um, but this uh, can only go so far. I mean, I don't think you blow it all up, but certainly in the last few games of the season, in terms of whether they start pointing together, they're going to be. I, I, I thought my question is: Does it put into uh, perspective? Was it Doug Peterson or was it Frank Reich? Because Frank Reich's now six and three with the Indianapolis Colts with Old Man Rivers at the helm, and Doug Peterson is struggling in the NFC East. It's a difficult one. I'm not sure where you go on that because. But Wentz has been injured so much as well. You know, there's no consistency yeah. at quarterback. Fowles has come in and look, Fowles in Chicago isn't working out and it didn't work out with the Jags, albeit he got an injury. So you have to, I would be putting more scrutiny now on where, where to go. I wouldn't say blow it up, but the quarterback decision at some stage has to be looked at. And it's not so much because Wentz is or isn't a talented quarterback. It's do they trust him to remain fit every year? And are they going to consistently have him missing for four or five games? And that impacts the entire season. And to Mark's point, they got everybody back on Sunday, but just on the game itself. The Giants' defense has been really good this year. The Eagles ran 0 and 9 on tour downs for the entire game. Not one conversion on tour down. First time in 16 years. And of the 6 of the 9, they were toward 7 or more. It just shows how dominant. Joins defense was on them. They couldn't move the ball all day, with the exception of two early scores in the second half, which cut the Joints defense in that. But primarily, the Joints completely dominated up front, both offensively and defensively. Just, just one last point on that, and I'll just move on from this theme. But one last point: I did hear an extreme suggestion before, which I disagree with, but I can see where the logic comes from. I don't subscribe to this. They said that every single NFC East team will have a new quarterback the 21 season the viewpoint was washington their solution isn't on the roster they'll redraft prescott they won't refranchise him but they'll draft and go again um eagles move on giants in fairness i think when i first heard this it was when they were expected to pick a lot higher and obviously the couple of wins means the draft position is going to be affected um but we'll potentially move on for daniel jones i don't think i, I think it's too soon to move on for i daniel would jones, I, I, but I, I kind would, of heard the, the contention i was like hmm. I take money on three of the four teams have new quarterbacks. If Jones continues not to turn the ball over, he'd be there next year. There's actually no doubt about it. Because when he doesn't turn the ball over, he is a threat. He's a threat with his legs. He scored a touchdown on Sunday. He scored another, which was pulled back because of a hold, which was a very harsh hold, all the same, but however. And, um, you know, he has, he made some really good throws, aggressive throws in the game, where, where in other games, they would have went conservative, but they didn't. They went after him. So uh, it's just it's just unfortunate that for one of the requirements to win games, you need your quarterback not to throw interceptions. Well, uh, Brian, who's thrown more interceptions than Daniel Jones this season? Carson Wentz and and Kirk Cousins. There you go. <laughs> so look, um, we'll move on though, guys. I mean, um, the, the other thing I saw this weekend was um, uh, bombing, basically. So um, there were some teams that just have too much firepower. And they bombed out the other team. I mean, the Bucks ultimately uh, a very, very competitive first half, but ultimately obliterated the Panthers 46-23, just too much firepower. Same you could say for the Raiders against the Broncos, 37-12. Um, Broncos, the amount of field goals they're scoring, it's just unreal. I'm sure there's going to be some random stat 
Um, done in the last few weeks in that regard. Um, equally, the Steelers versus the Bengals, you know, just too much. Too much for Burrow, too much on offense. 36-10, very, very comfortable. The only other bomb I kind of particularly wanted to call out was the people that are probably trying to send vective and, and uh, damage towards Nick Chubb this uh, weekend because if he had him in his fancy football team or you'd backed the Browns to cover the three-and-a-half-point spread – uh, or indeed, even if you got it at three, you only had a push. When he stepped out of bounds at the one-yard line, which was the right thing to do, which we called out Todd Gurley for not doing, but I'd still say you wanted to kill him. Um, <laughs> they squeaked by the brow of the Texans in an awful weather conditions as well, 10-7 there. Um, Gouda, you're shaking your head. I hope you didn't have him in your fancy team. I didn't have my fancy team, but again, that just shows you the media. The media has power because it it, it absolutely destroyed Todd Gurley for for doing it, and then you suddenly see Nick Chubb and ah oh, Browns fans and just general fancy owners who have a lot of people who have Nick Chubb. I think the percentage is quite high. Yeah, you'd be furious. Like that's that's when you need to realize that uh, that's when that's when you realize that the NFL players don't really care about fantasy football. The reality is that they get the first down, um, the game is over. And he got the first down and he, he did the instruction that was given from which was either Absolutely. take a knee or go out of bounds if you get a first down. I, 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 on the point you made about overpowering with the Bucks, though, like you have to admit now, Tom Brady, we all not slated, but we all kind of wondered after the New Orleans Saints. Uh, fiasco like you know what a lot of people were questioning like Tom Brady to get blown out that by that much what was the issue but like now with the weapons like Antonio Brown came in like Antonio Brown Chris Godwin Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski like that's Scotty Miller don't forget Scotty Miller as that's don't forget the, the don't forget the Swiss Army knife Scotty Miller don't forget don't forget Cameron Bray don't forget Ronald Jones catching out of the backfield or Leonard, Leonard Fournette for come in for one or two runs like, is Antonio Brown going to be there? Sure, isn't he? Not, he's just he's under investigation already. It's come out today, well, so uh, say no more. Huh? Like he's just he is one of those just mercurial talents who just cannot stay clean. Like he just has to. And this one apparently is about some private housing estate that he broke up some CCTV camera. Like it's just something different every week. <laughs> Can I just get my little rant out of the way about this, though, that really annoys me, is that Antonio Brown was in the league for nine years. Um, you know, played with the Steelers, obviously forced his way out to the Raiders and had the, his whole drama with the frozen foot and all of in the cryotherapy chamber and all that nonsense with the Raiders. And apparently he was, oh, he was fine. He was just a bit of a diva. He signs with the Pats and plays for them for one game, and he's the most hideous and hated man in the NFL. It was kind of like, no, no, if you're playing there, you must be scum. And, and like all of these stories and all of these things came around, and they made me laugh because most of them were from like five years ago. It was yeah. kind of like, a, do we not point out? No, no, okay, we just we just only abuse him and hate him when he's a patriot. But um, I yeah, just, you game, have to wonder how much production he's going to get with the books, and not so much because he's not a talent. It's you just touched on it. There's so many players, and so it's such a powerful offense. Like, I think they all want to get a bit of the action. Well, like, in, like, look at the receiving yards from the weekend Chris Godwin, 92 yards, Mike Evans, 77, Antonio Brown, 69, Gronkowski, 51, Bray, 31. Like, there, it's there to be shared out, and that's what Tom Brady wants. He doesn't want to have to rely on one 
one weapon and then you got Ronald Jones leading the charge at running back and then Leonard Fournette who can step in for one or two runs. Oh God, at the same time, they were held in check the week before. They were held in check against they, they the Giants. They were very much held in check the week before. Now, yeah. they had a few injuries and I think Godwin wasn't playing the week before. But you're yeah. absolutely, I mean, there is no strong contender in the NFC who hasn't got a weakness. Like, every team is thrown in clunkers of the games. I think the playoffs are going to be so fascinating. And whoever wins that first seed this year, bear in mind, only one team gets a bye. So that is going to be a super important game because I can see a world where everyone from two to seven can easily beat each other on on their day. Um, Just sorry, one more point on that. The number one seed in there is, is priority in the sense because you're getting the extra week off and you get an opportunity to rest up because I don't take home field advantage. With the situation that we discussed around no fans in the stadium, is really going to be that important come the playoffs. Okay, it is from the standpoint of players don't have to travel, etc. leading up to the game. But the reality is you're not going to be in a stadium with 60, 70,000 people screaming in the back of your ear and you can't hear the play calls, and etc. And hard counts and all that goes on with the game. Completely different this playoff time. Well, you you say as well, Brian, about home field advantage and not really being a factor. And one of the things I flagged in our pre-season review was I kind of felt that the Chargers were in for a good season because, after all, they were used to playing in front of no fans for a while and they'll probably actually get a benefit from no fans being there because they won't have to go to a silent count even at their own home games. Um hasn't quite worked out that way um, when they found miraculous ways and added now to their record that they've lost seven games and every single one has been a one-score deficit. And at the weekend, they lost to arguably the hottest team in football, uh, the 0-2 starting Miami Dolphins, and now gone 6-1 in their last seven games. Um, and it was two of us adjusting, but, what you know, again, great entertainment, great games, but, like, you know, the Dolphins are coming on strong. Five wins in a row now for the Dolphins. Flores did a great job. Similar type of game in a way to the game, the previous home game against the Rams, where special teams again with a block punt set up the uh, Dolphins very early to score a very quick touchdown in terms of the recovery on the one yard line. They were in on the next play. They drove down very quickly thereafter. They're up 40 and then at the end of the fourth quarter, charges rallied. Herbert went in with a touchdown. And in the third quarter, it, it, they were starting to make a game. It was 17 14. They were driving. Herbert chose a, I wouldn't say an inexcusable pick, but it was it was it was an easy one. The cornerback read him all the way. And then from there on, the Dolphins just looked comfortable. You know, they tagged on a couple of field goals on the back of a on the back of a touchdown on that drive. They came back a bit at the end, but the score doesn't really do to me the score doesn't really reflect the game itself. The Dolphins never looked, you Probably. know, when it, yeah, they never looked in trouble. They never looked like they were going to lose the game. Yeah. Just the touchdown at the end was like, they scored and then they went with the onside kick, you know. So it, they still lost by eight points in the end. So the, Dol- yeah. the, Dol- the Dolphins is a really interesting story for me because I think it's not this year, but it's the next few years. And like next year, they've got like 50 million in cap space, all the picks they have. And if, if Brian Flores does it right, like the Dolphins, like they could be on the up for the next three, four, five years. And you don't even know if two is going to be the quarterback. You don't even know who, who, who their quarterback will be next year, really, at this stage. You you, you can't 100% say it'll be two at the moment. They do have the Texans' number one pick, and the way the Texans are going at the moment, you would expect them to have a top six pick, give or take. Yeah. But I think like, this is the point we, we've discussed off, offline, is that that's the reason why two is in early. They need to make sure he is the guy for 
that situation comes around next year, next April, you know, where they could have potentially taken another quarterback, but it won't be Lawrence or Fields. I think they're well out of stakes there. I think, you know, they'd be looking at it on the fourth or fifth pick, but um, Tua's, Tua's doing well, so I don't think they would have that problem. And look, gents, before I turn my attention to uh, next week, week 11 in the NFL, um, and we'll go run through the games there. Monday night game as well, um, you know, the uh, Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings making a little bit of a comeback. Maybe, maybe an outside chance of a wild card if a couple of the teams slip up there that are in pole position at the moment. Bears started 5-1. and one. We all wondered, was it a mirage? It's turning into a mirage. Um, and I know we've touched on it, but that offense is, is you know, it's like vanilla rice. It's ice, ice cold. It's ice, ice, baby, because they ain't doing anything there. Um, you know, Brian, I mean, I, I think the stats were, you know, Cordell, Cordell, Corderell Patterson got 104 yards on the kickoff return for touchdown. The Bears offense for the rest of the evening contributed 149 yards total. Yeah, they're, I watched the game this morning. It was it was diabolical and they, they took field goals, but they took field goals off short yards in a sense because um, the Vikings gave the ball away as well, so they, they couldn't even punch it in for a touchdown. And Fowles now potentially could be out next week. He's got injured late in the game. But from the Vikings' point of view, another win. Um, you look at their schedule, which you know you could argue is a soft schedule. That's what people like to call it, isn't it, when they're going to win a whole lot of games very quickly. And they could potentially be in the mix for that work hard because we did pick them at the start of the season to go to playoffs. And the way it's lining up at the moment, um, they could go on a run. And they could make the playoffs. And just on Cousins, because he's had such a bad run of games on Monday Night Football. He's been zero, his career up to date has been zero and nine on Monday Night Football. You know, some of those games were against better teams than the Bears. So the monkey's off his back, and you can see at the end he was very relieved to finally won on a Monday night. There's a, if you're a Chicago's Bear fan right now, like you have a couple of more years of having to deal with this because. Um, there's a great breakdown on uh, the Athletics Robert May's podcast when he talked about there's no quick fix for the Chicago Bears as in you five million in cap space next year you're tied into all these quarterbacks who you paid over the odds like Nick Foles like there's nothing the Chicago Bears can really do even to change it all like they can't even just dump people they can't like there's no like starting from scratch with the Bears for quite a while so if you're a Bears fan Oh, I feel the, for you. The, the only thing I would say on that is the only glimmer of hope I would say at the moment is you don't necessarily know, you know, come draft time. If the Bears are picking 15, 16 and they go with a quarterback that is down the is down the list of top quarterbacks in draft, it doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to get a right quarterback. Lamar oh. Jackson Lamar Jackson went 22. Yeah, so, yeah, but, but Brian, you forget it's the Bears picking. You know, other than Jim McMahon, they've picked people like, you know, Rex Grossman and, oh, my God, they picked Mitch Trubitsky. So, you know, the organization has a responsibility to bear there as well in terms of the incorrect selection, shall we say. Maybe the, maybe the most important pick will be if they move on and get a new GM. Maybe that would be the most yeah, important pick. And not necessarily the quarterback. Being pushed out. Um, I will say, actually, Monday Night Football last night did have two of the greatest commentators' curses of all time. So Cousins had just turned the ball over. Foles takes the field. I think they ran for no gain on first down. They promptly put up a graphic about Foles talking about the, oh, we are who we are. We've got to really stand up now. We've got to be counted for who we are and display on the screen. Come back to the game. Foles throws an interception. Later on in the same game, 
they were talking about Cousins and he, he's been great. He's been really consistent, just really conservative, really doing exactly what they just need. Bang, interception thrown straight away. It was like, are they are they planning this in advance? It was it, it amused me anyway. It amused me. Guys, attention to next week. We start on Thursday night, actually, with a great game. Um, I mentioned it earlier. The NFC uh, best, or West, if you must, um, is three-way tie now. And one, two of those teams are going to match off. The Arizona Cardinals are going to the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle giving three points uh, on the spread with the bookies. But, you know, this this is going to be a great game. might not feature much defense, but it's going to be a great game. Yeah, the wheels have slightly come off in Seattle. And to be honest, it doesn't really surprise me because that defense now is arguably going down. It's probably one of the worst defenses from a stats perspective to ever be in the league. So, you know, and Wilson, Russell Wilson the last few weeks has been shown on interceptions and the chemistry that he had with Metcalf and Nocket just hasn't been the same since actually they played that game in Arizona. So um, they may be favourites, but I don't fancy them. I think after last week's win, I think the Cardinals will go into Seattle and win the game. Yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm, I'm actually going to go with the Cardinals in this one. And again, it's to the point of the Seahawks defence, but also that DK Metcalf is showed against the Rams when you have a quality cornerback um, safety covering you, which they did in Ramsey. I think with Peterson there in the Arizona Cardinals, I think the same thing could happen again where Metcalf doesn't get the target. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals to cover the spread and win this game. Yeah, um, Russell Wilson, seven interceptions in the last four games after starting the season so so very well and so consistently. Um, I, I worry about the Cardinals being inconsistent, but, you know, I back them at the start of the year. I like Kyler Murray. I like what they're doing. They on that train. Um, what? They on the train, Mark. They, they, I'm, I'm staying on the train. I, you know, I, yeah, Cardinals. Cardinals to take it. Um, the next game in years gone by would have been an NFC South powerhouse game. Uh, we could go on to our Sunday night slots. Atlanta Falcons going to the Saints. The line is currently Saints minus five. Um, one team is still a powerhouse. The other team is not. But the team that is has a serious question now is who's starting and doing what a quarterback? Um, Drew Brees potentially out for the game. I don't think it's been announced one way or the other yet, but it's been announced that he has broken ribs, both on the right and left-hand side, and a punctured lung, I believe. I mean, this is, you know, this isn't kind of light, um, light things. And he asked out of the game on Sunday there against the 49ers. Uh, to Sean Payne saying he couldn't go back in to the game. The first time he'd ever heard that from Drew Brees in his career. Yeah, and having watched the second half closely in that particular game, it just didn't seem to work with Winston. You know, maybe he's, he'll get a week to kind of get used to the situation in terms of him actually starting the game. And it wasn't more so the fact that he came into a game. You know, he probably didn't even expect to go into the game. At the start of the second half, it wasn't like he was in the dressing room at halftime thinking I'm going in. It was literally, as you said, Breeze comes out and says, no, can't go. You're, okay, you're going in. But he didn't look convincing whatsoever. And the Falcons aren't that bad, you know. The Falcons have played reasonably well. Two-game two, two winning streak. I'm I'm kind of torn on this one, but I think yeah. the way I'm going to call this one is if Breeze starts and survives, and, and survives the entire game, I'd go with him. But if Winston is starting, I cannot back Winston. Like, he, like I'm... I'm, I'm going to go, actually. I'm just going to put it all in line. Falcons plus five win the game. I'm covering regardless. Breeze isn't playing. It's absolutely no way he's playing this week. He may play the week after that. He'll be bandaged up. He's certainly playing this week. And I think what they'll do is they'll mix it up between Taysom Hill as much as they can with Winston to try off 
try throw the uh, Falcons defense off and keep them on the toes. I don't know why, but I'm going to stick with the Saints because they're, they're still on a winning streak and they need to win. And the Falcons are more likely to implode than the Saints are. So I'll go with the Saints, but, I don't, but it's, it'll be a close one. I'm kind of like you, Brian. I'm a little bit worried if Winston has the ball in his hands too much because it's only a matter of time before an inception gets thrown, to be honest. Um, but, you know, the Falcons aren't bad, but the defence still isn't fantastic for the Falcons. I mean, it wasn't as bad as it started off in the first few weeks of the season. Um, and they've certainly timed and proved things up. But I think there's enough there for an offensive-minded genius like Peyton to exploit Um uh, and they can turn it up on defense. They proved against Tampa Bay recently. So I, I'll stick with the Saints as well. Um, not convinced, but I'll stick with them. Um, Bengals versus the Washington football team, guys. This is all about who's going to cheapen their draft position. At the moment, the line has the Washington football team with plus one and a half points. Um, Brian, thoughts? Uh, Washington for me. Um their two wins this season have been at home and they were convincing home wins against the Eagles with a second half comeback and then Dallas who had imploded but um, I think the Bengals are coming back to what we expected slightly Burrow has been doing well for a couple of weeks but when he comes up against tough defences he can't seem to manage it and the Redskins defence in fairness still is decent so now I pick Washington Yeah I'm high on Burrows obviously all season but I can't make a projection that Washington is going to finish ahead of Dallas and not go at Washington. So, yeah, Washington to, to win and cover this game. Uh, Washington had a great performance, and they're a better football team than I think many expected, to be honest, at the start of the season. But equally, the Bengals have outlasted their expectations. I, um, I'm i very high on Joe Burrow, actually, and I reckon the Bengals are going to bounce back from a couple of rough weeks, and they'll take this game. Um, talking about expectations, though, I mean, expectations on Joe Burrow's number one pick. The next game, Lions versus Panthers. The Lions consistently live down to their expectations as much as possible. The Panthers have probably exceeded what everyone expected from them, especially with run CMC now injured so often. Um, gents, it's an intriguing one. It's, it's kind of a difficult one to call this in terms of two very inconsistent teams. Um, yeah. Oh, Gouda, over to you first. I, I'm, I'm finding this one tough, and, and I'd recommend to anyone, there's an article out there about Matt, Matt Patricia and the Lions and talking to a lot of former players there that was published this week and it doesn't paint a good picture for the Detroit Lions and I think that's matter of fact the way they're playing the season they've had a couple of performances where they've done well but I think the Carolina Panthers um, I'm quite high in them I think they've got a really good offensive coordinator and even with um, Bridgewater at QB I'm going to go with them and even with without CMC so yeah uh, Panthers for whatever the handicap is to, to win this one yeah, I like what the Panthers have done this season, albeit they've lost some games. A similar, in a way, to charging the Giants have lost games, very close games. Like Not many teams go into Kansas City and put it up to them and miss a field goal at the end to win the game. So, yeah, I trust them more. I'll go with the Panthers to win and cover, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't say I trust the Lions with anything in life, um, but um, they nearly threw away a big lead against uh, Washington, but survived and actually won the game at the end, which is unusual for a Detroit Lions team. They usually find ways of throwing it away. Um, but yeah, the Panthers and what Teddy Bridgewater has been doing there has actually been um, great to see. Um, I'll go do, with the Panthers. The one thing is actually, there was a concern whether Bridgewater would be able to play this week because he got injured on Sunday. So if That's he doesn't true, play, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not so sure. Who, I'm not sure who would step in, and that could change change the dynamic of the game. Look, if he if Bridgewater isn't there, I think he's been critical to their success this season, especially in the absence of um, CMC. So um, yeah. that that will completely change the dynamic. But at the moment, well, we'll stick with the Panthers and go yeah. there. Um, from one, you mentioned Matt Patricia. So from one former Patriots defensive coordinator to another former Patriots defensive coordinator, Romeo Cronell, now the current interim head coach of the Houston Texans, who will face off against the New England Patriots, the original coordinator, shall we say, Mr. Bill Belichick. Pats are minus two and a half points, bouncing back, as I said earlier, of a great win, surprising win, but a great win against the Ravens. Um, gents, Texans haven't, you know, impressed at all. Everybody's kind of looking at D-Hop and everything they've done and kind of going, well, why? What do we do? Why, why should we have done this? Deshaun Watson's in the press saying, oh, if they traded Will Fuller, which they're in talks to, um, you know, all hope would have been lost. Um, I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because, frankly, the Patriots are not a very good football team this season. But can you see a way in which the Texans win this game? Look, I made the projection uh, early in this pod. You know, when you don't have a franchise quarterback, you're going to struggle. Um, and that's what's happening with the Texans. You know, I've called it all year on them. Uh, <laughs> You're in the happy pills again tonight, Gordon. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, look, I, 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 you, there's a lot of problems at the Texans, but it certainly isn't to Sean Watson. I, I made that comment uh, about five <laughs> ago, and I'm sticking by it because I don't backtrack ever, regardless. But uh, I'm going to join the Miami fans who no doubt will be shouting for the Patriots in this one because every Texans game that um, every game the Texans lose, the better the Miami Dolphins are next year. Next year, so uh, I'm going to go with the Patriots to win this one. Mark, you, you assume you're picking the Patriots, right? I am picking the Patriots, Brian, for good, better, or worse. Okay, I'm picking the Texans. I think Deshaun Watson will have a big game against that Patriots defense. Don't think it's uh, Patriots, as good as Patriots uh, defense to shut down Deshaun Watson. Oh, sorry, to shut down um, Lamar Jackson, you mean? Yeah, I know it did, yeah. But, a lot of, but I, I would put it out that down to the bizarre weather that was also a factor in the game. You won't get that in, in that particular stage in, in, in Houston. I think. Texas no, in, in the Reliance Stadium. And in fairness, in um, last uh, season, obviously, Deshaun they get They gave you a good goal over. Oh, completely and utterly destroyed them. Um, uh, you know, um, four touchdown performances, I think. I yeah, it was different. in fairness, they were a different team back then as well. Though. No, they absolutely were. And they had Hopkins to spread and cause chaos, yeah. if you like. So uh, we'll see. Um, little known fact, uh, two just inside Patriots comments. JC Jackson, five uh, games in a row with an interception now. So yeah, that's an interesting good, history. Um, and potentially the option now for the Patriots to again consider trading Stefan Gilmore and JC Jackson, the in house built up as first uh, number one cornerback. I, I wouldn't be in favor of it. Gilmore's an amazing cornerback, but certainly there's rumblings that way. And the Patriots still can't throw the ball. I mean, when. Um, yeah. Newton throws the ball for a limited period of time and only two go to a wide sorry, he basically only to Jacoby Myers but when two of his limited passes go to Jacob Johnson our fullback you kind of realise yeah we've we've got troubles here we've got troubles I hope, I hope the one he threw that was incomplete in the end zone was a factor of the weather because it just looked like a 10 year old was, was thrown with the fake handoff I, you know, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about yeah I, I, I seem to, yes. I seem yes, to have yes. It was one. like, he's only five yards away. How can you not, how can you not make that show? Anyway. 
Well, no, I, the last last inside Patriots comment will be is when he did throw the touchdown pass to Burkhead, ran in. The celebration as a fan watching it, because obviously I stayed up late like a, an idiot. I, you could almost see that the players were almost thinking, oh, can we do this still? Can we still throw the ball and catch it and get into the end zone? Is that is that legal? Because it's been so long since they'd had a passing touchdown. It was, it was, um, it, uh, yeah, maybe I'm just being bitter about it, but yes, the, the it, must, it, must be, it must be terrible, though. significant improvement. <laughs> Um, we'll move on past the Patriots, though. The Eagles against the Browns. Browns are giving three and a half points for this game. It's too low. Like, you know, the Browns have not been the most consistent. You always feel guilty slash nervous about betting on them or banking on them for anything. But uh, even just with their run game, with Chubb and Hunt, like that line is way too low. The Browns will win this by more than a touchdown. Yeah, I'm I'm on the Browns for this one, and I would love to say that it's based off strong statistics, but really, a lot of my picks are based on the storylines I want to see. And look, it's an opportunity for him to jump ahead of the Baltimore Ravens, and it's also an opportunity for my old buddy pal Brian there and his Giants to to move further ahead in that division that I'm predicting they'll win. So for this one, I'm going with the Browns to to win and cover it. And look, regardless, this is the game. If the Browns are serious this year, you have to be winning these games. Yeah, the Giants are on the bye week, and that's the game we'll be all focusing on come six o'clock on Sunday. But uh, taking away all the emotion and support in our particular team, if you look at this game, practically, there's no reason why the Eagles yeah. should win this. The Browns will win this game. I love that, practically, and no reason why they shouldn't. And yet, that's what, <laughs> that's what, that is what has made the Browns. So. <laughs> yeah, but it seems to be moving away from that situation. Now. The tag seems to be falling away. They just basically don't let Baker Mayfield make any decisions. <laughs> Look, you've got that chub back. You use chub and use one properly and you'll win the game. So that was a great, great running back for them. Um, I called the game earlier. Brian, I don't even know what the line is anymore because I think he keeps moving so quickly. But There's the been Pittsburgh, a lot of moves. There's been a lot of moves on the line. Same. Go ahead, sorry. Pittsburgh Steelers 9-0 against the 1-8 Jacksonville Jaguars. It might come as a shocker to say I will pick the Steelers to go 10-0. But at one point, I saw some of the places opening up the line at like minus 18 points for the Steelers. No, it's minus 10. You must have been sniffing something when you saw that. It's minus okay. 10. <laughs> minus 10 points. They haven't covered that. Oh, they did cover the handicap last week, the Steelers. Sorry, it was the week before that against the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, I, don't think, I don't think we'll have a situation where we're going into the fourth quarter and the Jags potentially cause a shock like last weekend, Steelers to win. Easy. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. Not nothing to add here. We're we're the train ain't stopping. Okay, guys. Titans versus Ravens, two teams who need to win. Ravens are minus six and a half. Tricky one. It really is. Yeah. Titans need to get back with a win. They beat them last year in the playoffs. The Ravens didn't look themselves on Sunday. Uh so I'll, go with the Ra- I'll go with the Ravens, but I'm not convinced. Yeah, to be honest, it's a wounded animal here with the Ravens, and I'm kind of unsure myself. And the Titans seem to have slowed down the last few weeks, so I'm still high in the Titans, though. So I'm going to go with the Titans for this one. Remember, this is playoff revenge time potentially for the Ravens fighting back, but I'm going Titans. On yeah. this one. So one word, guys. We've got a lot of games to cover. Sorry, I was we were kind of pontificating along week, so I'm going to keep you and system just. The name of the team may be one sentence if you if you behave. That's hard. Dolphins versus Broncos. 
All right, I'm I'm Dolphins all the way. Drew Locke is overrated. He's gone next year. Dolphins. Drew Locke isn't even going to play this weekend. He's out injured, and for that reason, and the fact that the Broncos are just not the team that I expected. Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins are minus three and a half. There should be a one at the front of it. Dolphins. Um, Jets versus Chargers. Chargers plus. Plus? Oh, I'll take that any day. You're giving me point Go plus. <laughs> Minus. <laughs> oh, geez, I'm losing it. Brian. <laughs> Minus eight and a half points. Jeez, if you're giving me the Chargers plus eight and a half at home to the Jets. Absolutely. Uh, Chargers to win and cover. No doubt about it. Yeah, Justin Herbert to improve after last week. I think a couple of lo- loads of pretty deep balls and a couple of touchdowns. Chargers cover this one easy, easy. Chargers will win, but they won't cover. Oh, big call. Um, Cowboys and the Vikings. Sorry, sorry. I, I, had, to wake, I had to wake up for that one there. <laughs> uh, flip a coin. I don't really care. Oh, I thought you did. I thought you wanted those Cowboys beating every weekend for going forward. <laughs> I also don't like the Vikings. They're, they're, they're terrible. Okay, I'm going to go Vikings for this one. Vikings to win and cover. Absolutely no doubt about it. They're going to steamroll Vikings also. Um, we said last week didn't have great games. There's been a few crackers we've talked about already. Next one, Packers versus Colts. Colts are actually minus two and a half points. I I said I would never bet on Old Man Rivers, and I'm sticking to it. I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers a plus anything any day of the week backing him. Can I go with the Colts? I think, Ooh. yeah, I'm, I think the Colts will win this week. Um, they had a really good win against the Titans last week, so and um, I'm, I was I'm just not convinced by the Packers at the moment. After last weekend, you know they were complacent. Uh, Rogers didn't look himself at times, and I think the Colts at home will beat. And for that exact reason, I'm going with the Packers because I think the Packers will bounce back from their complacency, and the Colts may be cool being complacent after such a great win. Um, although they have had longer to prepare. Um, Monday night, then Chiefs versus Raiders. Oh, Monday night, late Sunday night game. Sorry, um, Chiefs versus Raiders. Chiefs minus six and a half. Um, obviously, the Raiders won this game earlier in the season. There's some nonsense about doing victory laps around Arrowhead and the like, which people are over dwelling on. Um, can they do the double over Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid? I'd say Reid has been waiting for this game to come around again because he wants a few rights. <laughs> A few rounds I have to make. They have to make right. Sorry. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs will win in cover. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs to cover, and I'm also going to cover even at 57 points. I'm going to cover the overs in this one. I'm I'm just worried about Andy Reid making a few wrongs right. Yeah, I got the end. Yeah, I'm not quite <laughs> sure, but uh, yes, Chiefs for me as well. And that brings us to the last game of the week, um, Monday Night Football. Again, like other than the clunker they got with the New England versus Jets, like ESPN have had a pretty impressive slate this year. The LA Rams, six and three, well in contention, the NFC best against the Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, Buccaneers. Um, the Bucks are minus three in this game. Obviously needed to keep neck and neck with the Saints. I will give my vote, which is I'm going to go with Tom and the Bucks, but beware of Aaron Donald. You better double team him on every single play. I so for me, there's only one Jalen Ramsey, and that is an issue for the Rams this week against the Bucks. Dar- Donald is the big one. Cover him, double team him, manage him all game, and I think the Bucks come out of here with the win. 
no no confidence in the Rams despite beating the Seahawks last week because they always had the Seahawks number. That's five over the last six games they've beaten the Seahawks. Outside of that, they've only beaten the NFC East and a poor poor Bears team. The Bucks will win. I'm not even concerned about the handicap. They'll win it. Cover very handily. All right, boys. Well, obviously that moves us then straight away into the final segment of the week that we do every week. And this season we've teamed up with horseracingbuddy.ie. So as always, Brian's picks will be over on their social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and across our own social channels as well. Brian, the nap landed. We had a we we had an okay weekend. That and the and and the quarterback bets. Quarterback bets obviously in the land, don't they, Gordon? The yeah. nap this week is the Minnesota Vikings oh. minus seven points at home to the Cowboys. They're going to destroy them. It's okay. going to be an absolute. Dalvin Cook, he didn't do it yet last night. I thought he would. He's going to run all over that Cowboys team. I'm going to trust you on that one. I'm not even going to watch it, Brian. I'm just going to give you my money and hopefully it runs away with it. The treble, give me the three for the treble. Miami Dolphins minus three and a half. Cleveland Browns minus three. You like that, Gordon? Yeah, love that. And the Chargers minus eight, eight and a half. I don't see where, where Mark's going with this uh, Jets covering the line. So Chargers minus eight and a half. The Dolphins minus three and a half. And the Cleveland Browns minus three. And the quarterback bet. Sure, you can't get away from it, can you? you got to go Kyle Murray. you got to go and Cam, and Cam Newton double. Look, is in when, 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 if it ain't broke, don't fix it, Brian. If it ain't broke, Keep don't fix it. Keep going, said, exactly. All the best this week from Brian. We found a horse racing buddy.ie across their social channels and across our own. And look, we'll come back to you next week, Mark, and let you know how we got on. Sounds good, boys. Sounds good. Well, look, you know, perfection continues for the Steelers and abject defeat and decimation continues for the Jets. Um, week 11 will be on us soon and you know the runners and riders are really shaping up guys it's getting exciting and we're getting closer to the playoffs and where it all really counts um, you can join us here again at the Irish NFL podcast brought to you in association with time roofing every week going through all the games from last and what's coming up and I for one can't wait for it gents it is always a pleasure take it easy Thanks, good night Mark. thanks Gordon good night Thank everybody you.